0: Knew that was coming. It's Heat Check
1: time. Welcome to the Heat Check Podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined as I am every week by our producer, Isaac Lee. We just watched the Eastern Conference Finals Game 7. Oh, Yeah. LeBron James, Isaac. LeBron James. LeBron James. That's basically the entire podcast, and we're done. We're into the outro <laughs> Repeat already. Repeat his name a couple times. Um, and- it wasn't a pretty game. It was an ugly game, but LeBron James did it. I want to say also, by the way, happy Memorial Day to everybody who's listening to the Heat Check podcast and who checked out uh, LeBron getting to his eighth straight NBA Finals. That was pretty impressive. We're going to talk about that a lot on this podcast, and there's going to be plenty of podcasts from the Ringer NBA show that you're going to want to check out this week, because of that, we've got the Ringer NBA show feed. We've got Bill Simmons' podcast. And of course, Bill Simmons wrote a really good piece, prescient piece, about Jason Tatum and how good Jason Tatum is. He was excellent for the Celtics in Game 7. Wasn't quite enough, but you should go and check out that story. It was basically about how Jason Tatum didn't quite realize that he was a Celtics' best player, even though he is. I think after this game, he might realize that he's the Celtics' best player because he went right at LeBron. He gave LeBron everything that he could handle and uh, almost pulled it off. It was a very impressive performance. We've also got KOC piece on uh, Clay Thompson and the Warriors forcing Game 7 on Monday night. And Jonathan Charks wrote about uh, Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. That'll be up on the ringer. So we're going to talk to Charks a little bit later on to preview the Warriors-Rockets series. And also, those of you who have listened to this podcast you know, at length and have stuck with me know that back during the Sixers Celtics series, I had mentioned I had lived in Boston for a while and worked in Boston for a while. And so I have, unfortunately for me, uh, many friends from Boston, two of whom had sort of like given me a lot of heat after the Sixers series. They were like texting me while I was at a party and really busting my chops about it. Well, for the first time ever, those two knuckleheads who are also in the media will show up on this program. We're going to have mass holes, On the Heat Check podcast, that'll be at the very end of the show. But first, to break down Game 7, LeBron James going to the finals. The Celtics getting close, but not close enough. We're going to bring in one of our absolute favorites at the Heat Check. Let's do it. All right, joining me on the other line, he's a two-time New York Times bestseller. He's got a beautiful family. Every time I think, like, life can't be better for Shea Serrano, I look up, but he's got this beautiful family. They named a gym after him. Uh, he's wildly rich and successful. Barack Obama once <laughs> once said that he uh, was reading Shay's books or uh, following him around or something. And then I look up during the, the game, during Game 7, and I'm like, oh, Shay's gonna come on. And I look up on Twitter, and Chance the Rapper is tweeting at Shay Serrano. Shay, I don't, I don't know how you're on this podcast. You're too famous for us.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know what I'm doing here either. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like, uh, I don't know. I feel like in Space Jam when Michael Jordan was playing basketball with Elmer Fudd.
1: That's what I feel like right now. I'm definitely more fun in this scenario. I'll take it, though. You're here. Here you are. Uh, We watched uh, Game 7 here. You watched Game 7 there uh, in your home with your lovely family. It wasn't a pretty game, but uh, LeBron James got it done.
0: Yeah, it was not. It was exactly the type of game everybody thought it was going to be going in. Both of the teams were just totally tired. I don't understand why they only gave them one game off before Game 7, but that's what it is. but yeah, they were both tired. They were both very clearly not afraid of the other team. There was a weird period during the like beginning of the fourth where it was hard to tell who wanted to win though. you like, does LeBron really yeah. want to win this game? He looks kind of, he looks kind of weird right now. And the Celtics, you start saying the same thing about them. And then, yeah, LeBron hits that, that other, that other gear or switch or whatever you want to call it, that very few other people on the planet can, can do and just sort of pulled away from them.
1: It's really amazing. I mean, like, and you did call this, I want to give you credit for this. Cause you and I talked the other day on the phone and uh, I asked you what you thought this game was going to be. And you said ugly and it was, it was super ugly, but LeBron, he played all 48 minutes and he really was, you know, they everything per usual. He had 35 points. Uh, Jeff green was their second leading scorer at 19. And uh, that was basically it. Yeah, but LeBron played all 48 minutes. He made half his shots. Uh, and down the stretch, I mean, he was just a an monster. And, like, him flexing on, like, the entire city of Boston was just amazing.
0: Yeah. The Jeff Green game. Who would have thought? The Celtics are <laughs> undefeated in the playoffs at home, and then Jeff Green walks in the door.
1: Look, so I caught myself. I'm watching the game. And, of course, we, we knew LeBron was going to have to have a take another takeover game. I'm surprised he didn't get to 40 points again, but uh, he did everything else. But I was thinking to myself, like, okay, they don't have Kevin Love. Uh, the rest of their their roster is really garbage. And there was a point there in the game when I was thinking, oh, they need to get Jeff Green back in the game. And then I, <laughs> I was like, oh, this is terrible. Like, how bad is their roster?
0: Yeah, if you say, if there's a sentence that comes out of your mouth, that that's how you know you're talking about a team that should have lost in the first round of the playoffs. And yet here they are LeBron for an eighth straight. Eight. Eight. Eight, John. That's incredible. I don't, I can't name. It. Eight other things that have happened in a row. But I know, but LeBron has done this for eight years straight. Almost 3,000 days we're talking about. It's been since somebody who was not LeBron James from the East was in the finals.
1: It's unbelievable. The last time he wasn't in the finals, Kobe Bryant was still a good basketball player. And the Lakers beat the Celtics in the finals. And Kobe was MVP. That's how long ago it was. Kobe's out there making, he's winning Oscars. He doesn't play basketball anymore. It's been forever.
0: Yeah, every single person, they can say the last time LeBron James was not in the finals. And then whatever they say after that, their whole lives were different. Yeah. Like if I think before LeBron was in the finals, I had less people alive in my family, (laughs) which is is
1: unreal. Uh, Yeah. What were you doing eight years ago?
0: Eight years ago puts me at 28 years old. So I wasn't doing anything. I had just started writing. I was still very poor and life was pretty, like, pretty low key great, but not as great as it is now that I get to watch LeBron James be in the finals every single year.
1: Your life is great for a lot of reasons. That's like the least of the reasons why your life is so great. But you're right. Like, watching LeBron, I don't. there was sort of this internal debate. Well, you and I actually might have talked about it on a previous episode of Heat Check, but there was this internal debate at the ringer about like whether or not we were all ready for something new and fresh because it has been a long time. And I understand if people go, you know, I wouldn't mind seeing the Celtics get in just because it would be a different look for the NBA in the finals and a different look for fandom. For me personally, I want as much LeBron in my life as possible until LeBron is done giving us great performances like this.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair because you're talking about, uh, at worst, the third best player in the history of all of basketball. It's a, whatever order you have in there. It's probably something like Jordan is obviously in there, LeBron is in there, and then maybe there's a, you know, you might throw a wild card in there like like Kareem. But you're you're watching that guy who we won't see another one like him for who knows how long another 10 or 15 years before we get another player of that caliber. So yeah, you should want him to stick around as long as possible. I mean, he's literally doing things that nobody has ever done ever. I just saw a thing right before you called where he has more points in game Sevens than anybody in the history of the NBA. And he's played less game Sevens than I think he, he passed Jerry West, but Jerry West has played one more game seven than LeBron has, but LeBron has still scored more. Like it's, There are like a million little things that you get to say like that about LeBron that just like, what what else is there? This is one of the greatest of all time. We should want him doing this for as long as possible.
1: It's incredible that he's capable of doing it because he's 33, right? He led the league in minutes this year. He played every single game and now he's leading the playoffs in minutes. He played all 48 minutes in game seven. It's just insane. Like at the end of the game and uh, Isaac and I were kind of goofing about it uh, as we walked over the podcast studio. But at the end of the game, Jeff Van Gundy said, this is the greatest achievement that LeBron will ever have. And I was laughing about it because it's an absurd statement. I mean, the guy has won three championships and uh, he's a multi-time MVP and multi-time finals MVP. MVP. But at the same time, like the fact that he's able to eat that many minutes at thirty-three years old and to will this garbage team into the finals, it's not that outlandish a statement. It's really an impressive feat.
0: Yeah. There's nothing again, there's nothing like this that we've seen before. Whether you're just talking about this individual run with this group of players or that he's extending his stretch of of final strip. I mean, nobody you have to go back to like when the Celtics were like, there were seven teams in the NBA and they were all white, except for like three players. Like you've got to go back to when everything was different before you can say, Oh, this other person went to eight or more finals in a row. Yeah. Nobody, nobody should be able to do this in a league with 30 teams. Nobody should be able to do this regardless of where you're playing in the East and the West. I mean, just think there could, there should have been one year. 2010, pick a year, whatever. There should have been one where he like twisted his ankle or something. something. One little thing should have happened that should have kept him out of the finals at least once. He should have gone up against somebody who they just went nuts in the playoffs against them. But it just just never happened. That's how good
1: Yes. That's Well, he almost went for a triple double, uh, tonight at 35, 15 rebounds and nine assists. So he was one off the triple double. Uh, he shot 50% from the floor. He was really incredible. And when you're, when you're talking about like something should have conspired against him at some point, this should have been that point. This year has been a crazy year for the Cavs. It's been bad all year long. Uh, I've been around them uh, a little bit this year, and every time I see them, they always say the same thing. They're like, I don't know. We're still trying to figure it out. And I'm like, you're in the you're in the Eastern Conference Finals at this point. But just to, for him to have that performance in this game when nobody else aside from Jeff Green, which is really, again, a very funny statement, showed up. I mean, they, Shea, they, they shot 25.7% from three-point range, uh, which was just, which believe it or not, was better than the Celtics who shot 17.9% from three point range. I mean, you look Yikes. at the, yeah, I mean, it was just a rock fight all night long and yet still LeBron uh, sort of pushed them over the top. I mean, look at their bench performance tonight. They got eight minutes out of, out of Larry Nance jr. They got nine minutes out of Jordan Clarkson, which was probably uh, 10 minutes too much. And then they got uh, <laughs> 18 minutes out of Kyle Corver who didn't hit his first shot until the fourth quarter. I mean, he was really bad. They they just didn't shoot well at all. I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised when I look at this supporting cast that they got this far. Really?
0: Yeah. This this should have been a team that either doesn't make the playoffs or they lose in the first round. I mean, you look at uh, other players that people like to compare LeBron to, like Kobe. Kobe has years where his team didn't make the playoffs or they lost in the first round or whatever. Like like almost every superstar has that year. Jordan had it. Kobe had it. Um, Tim Duncan, when he got older, had it. And LeBron has just never, never had it. You know what's crazy? I just saw, I'm looking at the thing with you, uh, Terry Rozier, 0 for 10 from three. He was a little scary. Yeah, Terry was a little scary tonight. Uh,
1: explain to me. So we, yeah, let's get into the Celtics a little bit because so Terry Rozier was 0 for 10 from three. He was 2 for 14 from uh, the field. On top of that, and, and this happened all series long where he ended up getting switched on to LeBron and LeBron victimized him for most of the series. Tonight, for some reason, uh, it wasn't quite as bad because LeBron was taking some shots over him early in the game instead of just driving right at him. But Terry Rozier was not good defensively in this game either. And like Kevin O'Connor put this in our Slack and, and he was right about it. I was really kind of surprised that Brad Stevens kept going back to him. Terry Rozier played 36 minutes tonight and he was terrible.
0: Well, who are you going to put in there? I mean, you need yeah. a point guard. You yeah. can, I guess you can have Tatum maybe run the point guard, but that doesn't seem like it's going to work out for, for a great deal of time. I think you have to have Rozier in that moment. If nothing else, nobody expected him to be this far anyway. Yeah. So let him get his minutes in. Let him feel what that fire feels like on his feet so that when he comes back next year, he goes like, all right, I, know, I remember this, and then I'm standing next to Kyrie now so I don't have to play. 36 minutes. I can play 18 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. Like, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. It is crazy that he missed all 10 of his threes. Insane. What on a, some, on some like James Harden shit. Well, what, about what, are the, you do? what about,
1: what about at the end of the, at, towards the end of the game was, uh you know, what, like a minute and a half, two minutes left maybe under where um, he had missed nine in a row and he got the ball on the baseline and dribbled back out for a three and shot this sort yeah. of like sh- like turner almost a turnaround three from the corner and I'm like that you're right that was some James Harden shit I'm like <laughs> he's shooting he check threes and he hasn't made one yet
0: yeah that's why I, that's that's part of the reason everybody loves him though yeah he just you know he's just gonna do. He's going to do what he does.
1: So not a good performance for him. Not a good performance for Jalen Brown, who was also uh, sort of MIA tonight, five for 18 from the floor. He only made three of his 12 three pointers. So those were absolutely killer. Um, Jason, I mean, we we really need to talk about Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum was the reason why the Celtics were in this game. He's the reason why the Celtics were in this series. He's the reason why they made it this far after Kyrie Irving went down. That kid had a minute there where he looked like a rookie during the regular season and it like sort of caught up to him. And then all of a sudden it was over and he was just like a superstar. He has been absolutely unbelievable.
0: Yeah. He, of course, had the big dunk on LeBron. Insane. And then I, be- I believe it was right after that he hit the three. To put them in the lead, yes. and then and then we got Jeff Green three, right after that. Unfortunately for them, but yeah, Tatum is the, Tatum is the real deal. I wonder what Ben Simmons was thinking when he was watching that game. That's what I
2: want to
1: know. I was saying this to Isaac, Brian Colangelo. I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, I didn't fault him for moving up in the draft. I do, however, fault him very much for giving Danny Ainge a, an extra pick on top of Danny Ainge ending up with Jason Tatum because this kid's not going to be a superstar down the line. He's Bill Simmons wrote about this on the ringer.com, shouts to the boss, uh, where he said, like, you know, Jason Tatum might not even realize that he's their best player. He's unbelievable right now, not tomorrow, today.
0: Yeah, right now. He's there, he was the best player for them. Right now, when the season starts next year, he's already their second best player, probably.
1: I was going to ask you about this. When Kyrie and Gordon come back, where do you... Because now, all of a sudden, like it was one thing for Brad Stevens to go, okay, well, we need offense, and we need somebody to take over, and this kid's obviously our best option. But what happens when those two guys come back? Like, Where does he fall in the pecking order, and how do they incorporate everybody?
0: I I feel like he gobbled up some of Gordon's time. That's what it feels like. Yeah. I mean you know you, you need Kyrie at, at point guard and Kyrie does what Kyrie does. So he's great at that. Um, but to have Kyrie and, and Tatum next to each other like that's dangerous because you know if Kyrie was in this game they would not have shot 17% from three. It would have all felt a little bit different. Everything would have been a little bit easier for them because that's what Kyrie does when he's in the game. He's so threatening that he just opens everything else up for for everybody else. So watching this, it it definitely felt like he sort of leapfrogged Gordon, which is probably unfair. I mean, Gordon's an all-star. Yeah, And he, I think it, it might just be because we haven't seen him play in so long that you kind of forget how great he is. But tonight, after that game, after that stretch where, where Tatum tried to, to steal the game for the Celtics, it feels like he's their second best player.
1: He's a rookie and not only did he keep them in that game but he was shot for shot dunk for dunk defensive possession for defense possession with the best player of his era that entire game. Like he was going right at like he like you said he literally dunked on LeBron which was one of those I don't think that's a good idea and then he got he threw it down anyway and I was like oh my god I can't believe he uh-huh. pulled that off and like for him to for him to be able to in that moment. Cause it's like they showed this earlier in the game broadcast where the very first shot of his NBA career earlier in the year was blocked by LeBron. And right. now all of a sudden, like, and he even admitted, he was like, I was shook, you know, I'm playing against my hero and it was a weird thing. And now all of a sudden, however many games later towards the end of the season in the Eastern conference finals in a game seven, he looks like all that, like he's every bit as good. And he knows he belongs there, which is crazy.
0: Mm-hmm. It's so fun to watch that happen. There, there was a tweet going around, like somebody dug up an old tweet where he was asking for LeBron to follow him on Twitter. Yeah, and we go we go from that to to just dunking on him, very aggressively, and not just dunking on him, dunking on him, and then running up on him yes. with his chest out, like yelling at LeBron. It's insane. unbelievable. You can isolate that play and say, okay, that's the difference between. Somebody like Tatum, who is going to be uh, a superstar for a long time, Uh, like a legitimate superstar, versus uh, Terry Rozier, who is fun and everybody loves him, but he's probably he doesn't have that level to get to like Tatum does. He went up for that same dunk against LeBron, and LeBron got him. Tatum went up, and he got LeBron. Like that's just a little a little thing to look at and say, like, oh, that's the difference between these two guys. And I know it's dumb to pick one play and do that, but that's what I would do.
1: Like, on the one hand, I, I've liked watching Tatum all year long. And from the very beginning, anybody who's listened to this podcast knows, like, back when Juliet and I were doing it regularly together, we're all about the J-team. And, like, you could see this progression with this kid. But for me, it's gone from I really like watching him to now going, ah, shit. For the next however many years, he's just going to terrorize the Eastern Conference and the Sixers. And I can't believe the Sixers instead have Markel faults. It's... It's really upsetting.
0: <laughs> well, yeah what what happens when because how old is, Tatum's like twenty right?
1: Tw- just turned twenty.
0: Okay, so what happens when he's twenty four and he he puts on another twenty pounds of muscle? Like, well, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's that, terrifying. That's even worse than what we're looking at now. He's going to be running shit for a good little while. It feels like
1: for a good a good little while. I think like if you're the Celtics. It probably feels disappointing right now, but with a little bit of perspective, you look back and you go, "Holy shit! Look what we did without Kyrie and Gordon." And also on top of that, like, look how far Jason Tatum came and the experience he gleaned for this. Because exactly what you said, like in a couple of years when he's you know twenty, thirty pounds heavier and just like all of a sudden looking like LeBron, he's, this is going to go a long way for them.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. Although we we might just be romanticizing everything. It might all fall apart. Who
1: so knows? I hope so. Let's root for that. <laughs> I was, listen, I, I never I, I have a lot of friends in Boston and uh nothing pleases me more than when things fall apart for them. What do you think? Uh before because you have a lot of things going on in your life, but before you go, what do you think now? LeBron gets into the finals again, eighth straight time. It's amazing. But as we said, this team is limited. He's the guy. Uh, whoever gets out of Game 7 for the Western Conference is going to be a tough matchup for them. Uh, first, give me what do you think happens in Game 7 on Monday night?
0: Uh, the Warriors run away with it. Chris Paul is not going to play. If he does play, he's going to be at like 40% or some bullshit like that, which is just heartbreaking for yeah, him. Yeah, it is. But but they the Rockets just can't keep up with the Warriors without him. Uh, he, he's the guy who's not afraid. He's the guy that they can sort of stand behind and go like, all right, wait, if this is a fist fight, we got a guy who's not backing down. So that's gonna hurt them a whole bunch. And that's what we saw in the in Game Six. Like it was a great game, 74-70 with like six minutes left in the third quarter, and then the, the Warriors did that thing where they just sort of reach for your neck and start squeezing it. And you know, Harden went invisible. He had played great up until then. He like you know, 30 something points. And then over the last 18 minutes of the game, two points, five turnovers, or like a couple of three of his shots got blocked. It was just bad. Yeah. So you, you needed that energy and you needed that Chris Paul energy. And like, you can't put all that on James. Of course, he's this one guy against four really, really good. I mean, two of the best players in the NBA, a third, maybe the best spot up shooter of all time and clay. And then Draymond, like it's unfair to say it's James's fault. It's fun to do, but it's unfair. I think the Warriors run away from them um, in Game Seven, and then they run away from the Cavs in the finals.
1: Did I see some positive Houston Rockets tweets from you, by the way, over the in the last game? Were you were you kind of like secretly rooting for them there? No, I've very
0: openly been rooting for them. I want to see the Warriors fall. <laughs> That's what I, you know. I'm trying to send the Rockets all of my energy from the universe that I can to see the Warriors lose in the playoffs because it would be just perfect.
1: This is an incredible turn of events for for a Spurs super fan.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's less rooting for the Rockets. It's more rooting against the, <laughs> the Warriors. But, yeah, I do want the Rockets to win. That would make me very happy. The, the number one scenario is the Rockets beat the Warriors, and then they lose to LeBron. That's the number one scenario for me.
1: That would be amazing. I think I'm with you. I think the Warriors are probably going to run away with it, especially without Chris Paul. But do you give LeBron any shot to steal a game against either of those teams?
0: If they play the Rockets, he's got a chance. Mm-hmm. He's he can do enough against Harden and the and the the Rockets to steal that series from them. It would be a long series. It would be six or seven, and he would have to do what he like what he did tonight. Basically, um, I just would trust him with that pressure on him more than I would trust Harden at this point. So yeah, but if it's the Warriors, no. And that's going to, it's going to super suck because as soon as they lose, we're going to have to, for the rest of our lives, hear a bunch of idiots saying, oh, but LeBron lost as many finals as Jordan won. Like, okay, I can already hear it happening and I'm already (laughs) upset about it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, we're all bracing for that. Uh, I'm hoping for a good finals either way. Uh, make sure that you read Shea Serrano. He's constantly writing stuff. He's on the Heat Check podcast all the time. He's been on some other podcasts. Uh, not as fun as this one, though. I, I appreciate it. You're the LeBron James of Heat Check. <laughs> I'll take it. All right, homie. Thanks for doing this. All right, later. Later. I love having Shea on the program. That was fun to talk to him, and it's always fun to talk to Jonathan Sharks, who's going to be coming on right now to talk about Warriors and Rockets.
3: Shakalaka. He's
1: heating up. He's on fire! All right, joining me on the other line from the NBA Draft Class podcast, uh, he's a regular here on Heat Check. He's got a fantastic story that's going to be up uh, as we're recording this. It'll be up right afterwards on Game Seven from the Easter Conference. LeBron's big win. It's Jonathan Charks. What's up, Charks? How you doing, guys? Fun to watch LeBron, man. Never get tired of it. Uh, we were just talking about that with Shea. You know, I think you and I actually talked about it on this podcast last time you were on where I was like, I want as much LeBron in my life as I can possibly get until I can't get it anymore. Um, where are you on? Are, like, are you? do you have any LeBron fatigue or are you happy that he's back in the finals again?
4: I had some LeBron fatigue coming into the series, but he was just so great. And I think it's also, it's like you're starting to see him being a little aging. So you know it's not going to last forever. So let's get us more LeBron in our lives. I'm not mad about it.
1: Yeah, I, and that performance, you and I were talking right before you came on, like, that was amazing, right? I mean, like, to to see him do that yet again with that supporting cast is incredible. And for him to play all 48 minutes is incredible. And for him
4: to make his a straight finals is incredible. And, like, I don't know, man. He's a monster. It's just unbelievable, man. So, like, what, what I'm writing about for tomorrow, what's really amazing about LeBron to me, so you go back to that last year with Toronto. They won that Toronto series with offense. They played LeBron, Love, Korver, and they won games like 125 to 110, right? And then, like, they come to the Cleveland series. That's not working. Love gets hurt. Korver is not playing a lot. So they go all defense around LeBron. They play, like, LeBron, Thompson, Green, Hill, Smith. And they went, like, 85-75. Like, the team changed in two weeks. And LeBron is just so good at everything that they make it work. Because no matter who's around him, LeBron finds a way. It's really—it's remarkable, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where you watch it and, like, Like, I understand the fatigue that people have just from an entertainment perspective because we are barreling towards, uh, and we're going to get into Warriors Rockets here in just a second, but we're we're barreling towards another finals where LeBron's in it, but he probably doesn't have enough weapons to pull anything out, and that's kind of a bummer. However, I think, like, you know, when when he's done for good and we think back on this period and this stretch, and we think about how much energy is required and on top of that, how much skill and how much luck for him to make eight straight finals and who knows how many more he could potentially make depending on where he lands in the off season.
4: I will say this, like somebody may catch Jordan's six rings, but eight straight finals in this era in the modern NBA I'm not sure that gets caught. That is eight straight final, just the not getting hurt. Yeah, eight straight years. All the games he's played, the endurance, the
1: amount of minutes, like the amount of energy, the amount of effort. There was this uh, video before the game where somebody put it on Twitter, where it was like the rest of the Cavs standing in the hallway outside the visitors' locker room at uh, at the Garden, and LeBron was doing push-ups, and they were just watching him. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, that's perfect. LeBron is doing work even before the game, and his. His teammates are still watching him. It was perfect. Hashtag
4: narrative right there. Perfect. Um all <laughs> perfect right, let's, kicker for a story. Let's get
1: into Warriors and Rockets. Game seven on Monday night. We're excited about it. Game six was interesting. Uh, if you're a Warriors fan and a lot less interesting if you're a Rockets fan, Warriors won by 29. Uh, they outscored Houston 64 to 25 in the second half. Clay Thompson went off. We got a
4: clay sighting. 35 points, uh, nine threes. Man, I love clay. That quote after the game where he was like uh, am I bitter this? Not really. Well, I guess I am. Yeah. Like Clay just lives in the moment, man. Clay just, whatever happens right in front of him, he has no memory, perfect shooter, con- no conscience. It's Love am- it.
1: It's amazing to see how quickly he can get shots up to. Uh, according to Second Spectrum, they track, you know, like do a bunch of tracking on this. Um, seven of his nine made threes, Sharks. he released it within one second of touching the
4: ball. That's insane. Gosh, and because he's six foot seven, so like you have to be attached. So he shoots over most guys, anyways. It's yeah, Clay is man. When Clay gets going, there's nothing you can even do about it. You just give him the points because like, yeah, it's that fast. That that size.
1: Yeah, it's insane. Uh, on top of that, uh, they got 23 from KD. They got 29 from Steph. As a team, they shot uh, over 42 percent from three and almost 50 percent from the floor. We've gone back and forth in this series because the series hasn't produced many close games. Games four and five were close in that it was a combined seven points, but the rest of them were all Warriors wins and blowouts. Like Every time I look at the Warriors, though, when they're clicking, and I I go, oh,
4: right, of course, they're the Warriors. They're going to win this. Yeah, I mean, I think Houston, if I was Houston, I think the formula is Cleveland's formula tonight because you look at those two wins they had. They were in the 90s. Slow the pace, Limit possessions, play great defense, and just count your superstar to carry you home at, at home. I mean, James Harden's not LeBron, but he might have to be to win tomorrow night, especially with Paul being limited if he even plays.
1: Yeah, so Chris Paul is uh, questionable to play. They think he's going to be a game time decision. That's such a I bummer. I mean, look at a Willis Reed, probably, right? I think look at a Willis Reed moment at the very least. He'll try. I mean, I, I think so, but like, I wonder. I mean, how much like how much it's really bothering him, and how much he can be out there? Because I mean, he was he was fantastic for them in this series, and and you could make a case that he was a better option for them than Harden in, in some spots. Uh, Harden, you know, went, went two games straight without making a three pointer. Finally, got it going in game six, but he scored thirty two in game six, and they still got blown out. Like, I wonder what kind of performance they'd have to get from Harden without Paul to pull this out. I, I like I don't I don't know what the calculation would be.
4: I would think like he, they probably need 40 from Harden, maybe like 20, 25 from Gordon. The other guys make enough three. That's what's tough, is like there's so few guys who create shots in that roster. So you miss Paul. It's, it's just Harden and Gordon. Who else is gonna mean, Gerald Green? Like <laughs> Yeah. Well, you need I mean, you need something from someone somewhere, right? I mean, like, and and this is something
1: that continues to amaze me. Like you look at the the Rockets, who were the best team in the NBA this season. They have the heavy, heavy favorite for MVP is going to win it. And yet, yeah, you, you look at their roster and you go, I don't I don't think they have enough, right? Like, especially without Chris Paul. Even with Chris Paul, I'm not sure that they have enough. But they've got, I mean, like, they're going to have to get something out of Ariza, fine. But like, you're not going to get 30 points out of Ariza. Maybe you, maybe Gordon catches fire and just flames them from three. But
4: beyond that, yeah, you've got JL Green and nothing. You've got nothing on your bench. You have nothing that you Capella. can... Capella? I don't know. The big thing to me that like Golden State did early in the series is like when they switched everything and they were like, we're going to live with Harden, Paul, and Gordon going one on one, and we're not going to let these supporting cast guys get open shots. Like, if a is going to score, it's going to be off a dribble. So, like, yeah, because most teams can't switch those screens and like even contain Harden, Paul, and Gordon. Golden State can at least kind of contain them, and that's all you have to do because nobody else can score on that team. They can all just spot up, they need someone getting them shots.
1: It's interesting that you said that you think that they should ugly up the game because uh, the Rockets should ugly up the game and play it slow, because that's obviously not how they played the entire season. I mean, they were, you know, run, 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 shoot as many threes as you possibly can, you know, take as many shots early in your first and second actions as possible and just outscore teams. And they were 22 and two during the regular season. This is a a Kevin O'Connor special stat, 22 and two during the regular season when they shot 40% or better from three. But they haven't hit that mark once during the Warrior Series. So for me, like I guess just in a vacuum, I think to myself, God, if they're going to win it, they've got to like be really hot from three again, except for, you know, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe they don't have that ability to, to do that in the series.
4: Yeah, I just I wonder if like Golden State is going to say we're going to stay, like they've been staying home on shooters a lot. So it's like, yeah, like they're missing shots, but they're not getting open shots like they were in the regular season against defenses. Like Golden State's trying not to rotate. Like you look at those first two series, the um, Minnesota and Utah series, they're like, we don't want our big men guarding Harden and Paul, so we're going to send multiple guys and rotate. Well, Houston's going to kill it every time. Golden State's saying, you know what? Those guys beat us. They beat us. We're staying home. We're not rotating. We're not letting those other guys get open threes, because that's when they're unbeatable when those guys make threes.
1: Yeah. And and Golden State's defense, too. I mean, you're right. Like they're They're going to say... Hey, you know, if if those other guys can beat us, then good luck with that. But on top of that, like they forced the Rockets into uh, 21 turnovers in game six, which is their second most of the season. They were just swarming. They were everywhere and they're so long. And, and like you mentioned Clint Capella, like when they decided to take Clint Capella out of the game, it didn't feel like it was that big a, a challenge for them. And I just look around at the rest of the, the cast that Houston has, and I go, I don't know. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how, how they pull it off, even though it is a home game, and we've seen how important uh, home court advantage has been in both series. I just think it's just like a really, really tall order for them. I'd be surprised okay, if they win it. Okay, here's what I would it. think.
4: If I was Houston, I would think, like because Golden State puts bad lineups out sometimes, because like they're supporting cast pretty bad in the series, too. It is. So when they have like Looney, Bell, and Nick Young in there, I would get maybe Ryan Anderson in. Maybe you can get like ten quick points out of Ryan Anderson. Just like take five threes. I don't even care. And maybe you can outscore those guys in those two minute stretch. Find some like found money on offense. But he's such a net negative because
1: he's he's a disaster on defense. Like where would you even hide him?
4: Well, oh, I think I think like so you put him on Kavon Looney, and if they screen with Looney, you trap the ball and say if Kavon Looney beats me four on three, Kavon Looney beats me four on three. I'll live with that. I think that's maybe the idea. I don't know. I'm I'm digging deep here, cons. I know for D'Antoni. Dan <laughs> <laughs> I like I think that you're I
1: like that you're doing this. I think that this is good for if you're a Rockets fan like Charts is trying to find a way for them to win this game. But I think um when you when your answer is hey maybe you can get something out of Ryan Anderson, you're fucked. I mean,
4: you got to play the game, right? You can't give up for the game starts. So you got to come up with something. With have a plan. Yeah, fair enough. It's just like I
1: it's kind of weird, isn't it, that we got two game sevens and then like not many of these games were close and, and good, right? Like there was, like I said, um, games four and five were a combined seven points in the Western Conference and we just had game seven that was a bad game, but it was close enough to be dramatic. But it's kind of crazy that we went to game seven in both series and I don't feel like either series was particularly like tight or entertaining.
4: No, not really. That, that was, I guess Houston Golden State has found its way in four and five, but it was ugly basketball. I wonder if it's like the variance thing with three-pointers. If you're taking so many threes, the game can swing so fast, right? It feels like games could decide. It feels like with the way the three is now, you can win a game at any point in the game. Like you can have a three-minute stretch where you just knock out a team. And so it's, like, it's hard to get the game close to the end because the game can be decided in four minutes.
1: Yeah, it's I was talking to some of my friends who work at uh, NFL Network, as does my wife, just talking to her about it, too. But um, like if this had happened in, say, like the NFL uh, playoffs or even like baseball playoffs, where like the, the, a, a bunch of the games were not close at all and were blowouts in the conference finals, there would be the, like a bunch of think pieces about like what a what a crisis they were going through. And in the NBA, like we've almost kind of gotten used to it because of the way the finals have gone recently. And it's a bummer. Like, I really like close, dramatic basketball. And I am afraid that we're not going to get many more of those games the rest of the way.
4: I would say props to the blog boys. Like, we're giving them good content. Like, we're finding a way to keep it, you know, <laughs> keeping everybody happy with our content. Yes, we are. I think like the big thing with like the public, it's like, cause you got LeBron one of the greatest players of all time. You got the Warriors, one of the greatest teams of all time. I think people like greatness. They tune into that. Like when I'm a casual fan of a sport, like I love to watch the best soccer team of all time. I won't watch two good soccer teams play because I don't care. But when it's like the best of all time, it drives your curiosity, I think. Yeah,
1: and that's why I'm happy that LeBron is going to be in there. And I think that the Warriors are going to barrel their way to another finals and we're going to get yet another matchup between those two teams. It's just... They are the Warriors are just so overloaded with talent. Not to skip over the Houston Rockets here. If the Rockets make it, that would make it, you know, an interesting I, finals. See, that's
4: what I like. I'm kind of rooting for the Rockets just so it's a different finals. Like, just would be something interesting. I, yeah, I feel like Warriors, Calves. We'll have to dig deep into our blog content to come up with something for that one. We'll have to really work for that. Can not we just
1: recycle everything we wrote last year?
4: let's just do that we'll just
1: swap out like uh you know jordan jordan clarkson for somebody it'll be fine
4: um what do you uh so, so give me a prediction here for uh for game seven I mean, I'm I'm gonna just like LeBron in the East. I'm not gonna bet against the Warriors. if Somebody beats them. I'm gonna have to go with Golden State.
1: I'm with you. I'm, I think it's Golden State. I think they get through. the The Rockets had a hell of a season, but that's a really tough blow to lose Chris Paul. And even with Chris yeah, Paul, was it was, yeah, it was gonna be a tall order anyway. Uh, cause I just like, it's hard for me. Just like you said, I, even if they were fully healthy, I would still probably bet on the warriors because of the warriors. And until you unseat them, you know, you got to go through them. Um, all
4: right. So let's say it is warriors and they get through any chance. LeBron steals a game. Yeah, I mean, I would look at um, if Iguodala's is healthy. I think Golden State's supporting cast has really been exposed in this series. Like, after their top four, who do you trust? I mean, Livingston's not playing in 15 minutes. You got Looney and Bell, Nick Young, who knows? I think if Iguodala's is not healthy, they really only have four good players right now. That gives Cleveland a chance to steal one at home, I think. If Iguodala's is healthy, I think they're just too good.
1: Yeah, and it looks like Iguodala isn't healthy. So that's. Is he
4: playing, is he playing tomorrow? Have they it said doesn't look about like that? it, no. Hmm. And the, these players have shown like you got to have a good player at every position like it it can be attacked like Golden State has four great players but that fifth player can be attacked by Cleveland I think that that'll be like what they have to go on it's uh it's going to be tough for Cleveland but at least we got more LeBron right I mean like that's
1: something that we're we're both in agreement on and we get to see him and and look we'll enjoy it while we can and maybe he steals a game and Uh, eventually we'll get off this uh, Warriors versus
4: LeBron in Cleveland carousel LeBron's getting himself a squad this summer like LeBron's totally losing the Warriors he's gonna make some phone calls I'm excited for this summer LeBron's gonna get him a nice team I think
1: go get him a squad we all wanna see that happen for now we'll take uh, one more series with the Cavs Uh, Go read Jonathan Sharks. He's got a bunch of stuff up on the ringer. It's all excellent. He'll be back later in the week on the NBA show uh, on draft class and some other concerns. Sharks, you're the best. Thanks for doing this. All right, man. Good times as always. All right, homie. That was Jonathan Charks. Always love having him on the program. These next two guys are my two buddies from Boston who are in mourning, and uh, that's why I'm excited to have them on. Normally, uh, guys from Boston on the program, they'd have to work here to to be on Heat Check, but because... They lost. I'm happy to uh, talk to my buddies and poke a little fun at them. Let's bring in uh, my Boston guys. All right, joining me on the other line, two of my, and I'm doing air quotes here when I say friends because they're from Boston, uh, a former editor at ESPN, the magazine, now a reporter at Politico, Jason Schwartz is here, and a national writer at large at Thrillist. He's also won a James Beard Award. Somehow, Kevin Alexander is here. Somehow, they're both from Boston, and neither of them are named Schmitty or Sully, and they were quite distraught about the Celtics.
2: Uh, Yeah, I can't believe we agreed to this. (laughs) Yeah. Thank, thank you for having us on House of Carb. Yeah. <laughs> big, big fan of the pod.
1: Yeah. That's actually the pod you should probably be on. But you two knuckleheads um, all throughout the Sixers and Celtics series were texting me incessantly to the point where I was muting you regularly and you were laughing and you were enjoying yourselves. And then we kind of started laughing about, well, you know, maybe you should come on at the end of the pod considering like the Celtics w- were up 2-0 uh, against LeBron and then it all went south tonight, gang.
2: Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm actually, I'm just upset. Like, I don't know why we're on this. I'm, I'm really upset. You tricked us into this when uh, the Celtics were up. And, and now, I don't know. I mean, if I can do one thing on this, which I think is just, I, I don't know if your producers are aware of your living situation when we knew you in Boston. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to spend the entire time on that. Like, do they know? That you lived in a windowless basement apart- apartment in Central Square? Like, do they, do they know about the dumpster that you had to crawl through and the fact that you actually lived? You slept on a futon under a regulation-sized poker table.
1: I feel like like this is misplaced anger, and you're lashing out (laughs) because the Celtics lost to LeBron James, the greatest player of his generation. Uh, You guys were right there. you got to feel at least a little bit good about Jason Tatum, though, right? Even though the Celtics definitely lost and will not be playing any more basketball for the rest of the year, uh, and it was crushing and hugely disappointing, and also you lost the Super Bowl to the Eagles— you got to feel a little bit good about Jason Tatum, right?
3: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to let you drag me down, Gons. Um, <laughs> it was this point game, but it was house money. They're going to come back next year. You got Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, all the draft picks. It feels greedy to be too upset about this, despite uh, despite your crack about the Eagles. The Patriots still have five Super Bowls too, so I'm not I'm not too bad. It's fine.
2: Um, I'd also like to point out that two of our best players were out: Daniel Tice. <laughs> and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> so if we had Tice in that game, yeah. it totally changes the trajectory of that series, obviously.
1: Tice is uh, Game 7 material. I mean, everybody knows he rides when Game 7 happens.
2: You, you guys are joking. Tice would
3: have been really helpful in that series. <laughs> and I, I'm going to stand by that as a serious comment. They could have used his uh, size and uh, rebounding for sure.
1: What they could have used was Terry Rozier either making a shot or... Uh, conversely, not taking ten three pointers and missing them all, or also maybe playing some defense, he was horrendous in that game.
2: Yeah, uh, when your three of your best players are a combined eight of forty-two, that's not usually the greatest. And like, and then you add in Marcus Morris, who is basically the NBA equivalent of like the guy who refuses to get off the court during pick up, pickup games, even if his team loses, <laughs> and he goes five for fourteen, and it's like. That's 23%. uh, And then you got Tatum dunking on LeBron all day, all day. We were all witnesses to Tatum dunking on LeBron, then telling LeBron about it, um, and then telling LeBron about it later after the game when they were hugging. So, uh, other than that, um, it was horrible. I mean, Marcus Smart was one for 10, which is actually about an average Marcus Smart
1: game. Yeah, it is.
2: Um, (laughs) But... When everyone else is that bad, uh, you're not going to win.
1: I got to say, for, yeah. for a guy who writes about food, Kevin, that was some good math by you. That's good number using.
2: <laughs> yeah, man. Got a, got a calculator on my iPhone. The thing with Rozier is it's one thing to miss
3: shots, but it's another to miss shots because you look nervous. And those two shots at the end, the one from the arc, he, you, know, you could tell he didn't take the beat and set his feet and shoot it. He just was sort of at a bad angle. And another the one uh, on the baseline, he was falling away when he didn't need to be. So you could you could just sort of feel the moment, get the best of them, and that was the part that sort of stunk.
1: Unless you're not from Boston, at which point it was amazing. It was great for you. <laughs> I really I really enjoy, as everybody at the heat check. I love Jason Tatum. Right? I really enjoy watching him play. But if I can get Jason Tatum having a good performance in a Celtics loss, man, now we're fine in the sweet spot.
2: I don't want to go too Tommy Heinz in here, but. There were a bunch of like, put him in his place. He's a rookie foul call there at the end, especially after he dunked on LeBron. Did you see him dunk on LeBron? Guns? Oh, this is the full Heinsohn. He on you, you didn't want yeah. to go to
1: Heinsohn. You've gone the full Heinsohn.
2: But he, I mean, that call in the lane, give me a break. And then there was a call on the side where, the, where he threw the ball out of bounds. I mean, oh, I get it. LeBron is the best player in any sport including video games in the world but like come on
1: man yeah, but you guys also got the call where Marcus Smart was moving and in the air and on top of that threw in some extra acting flop where he got the call on LeBron. So, like, that goes both ways. You can't, you, the, listen, Boston does not get to cry about the refs ever. You guys have won too many championships. Uh, I'm just really thrilled that I'm having you on after a loss and not after Boston goes to the finals without their two best players, uh, Tice included. Let me ask you another another question before I let you two go. What the hell is Cuss Cries? Who came up with that? With what? With what? see us rise it looks like it's supposed oh. to be see us, it's supposed to be cs rise but it, it actually is cuss cries yeah no it's terrible
3: I mean, whoever came up with that hashtag should be fired immediately I, I have no defense of
2: that i don't know i don't know i'm kind it, it's kind of growing on me cause <laughs> cuss, cuss cries sounds like something that boston people would do like where you're where you're swearing and weeping at the same time it's like It's a very Boston thing. It is a very Boston uh, thing. The demoralizing thing about it is I saw that hashtag
3: 10,000 times during the playoffs and on their t-shirt. I read it incorrectly each time. I actually read it as cuss rise or whatever each time. It was very frustrating for me personally.
1: Colleen came into the living room the other day during the game and took one look at the shirt and goes, what the hell is crisscross? (laughs) <laughs> like, that's perfect that's exactly right it's, it's a exactly great rap right. group Cross is a great rap group the boston celtics had a good season not good enough they're on their way out uh it's been wonderful guys talking to you i mean i, I really really enjoyed this let's not do it again anytime soon
3: this wasn't great no, I did not feel good about it either.
1: Kevin Alexander, you can read his stuff at Thrillist. He's a James Beater Award winner somehow. Maybe, we'll, maybe House will have you on House of Carbs and also Jason Schwartz is a reporter at Politico. They're both smarter than they sound, despite being from Boston. Guys, I miss you.
2: miss you too, guys. I do not.
1: Goodbye. All right. That was fun to talk to those two guys. Uh, Despite the fact, Isaac, that they slandered me throughout much of the beginning of the podcast. It was all dirty, dirty lies. Don't worry.
2: I'll cut all of the, cut it all
1: out. I want to say thanks to those two, Kevin and Schwartz, who actually are uh, both very talented reporters. You should check their stuff out online. Uh, Thanks to Jonathan Charks. Thanks to Shay Serrano. Thanks to Isaac Lee. Make sure you check out all of the ringer podcast network. We're going to have KOC Inverno after the Western conference finals game seven. We're going to have uh, maybe a finals preview podcast, podcast you want to stay tuned for that we'll have group chat draft class crossover on thursday night slash friday morning big boss man bill simmons will have all of his podcasts i will be on the road at the finals with one kevin o'connor so you can check out our stuff both on the ringer.com and right here on the ringer nba show feed thank you so much for listening heat check will be back next week see ya